What a great privilege to pastor this wonderful church and work with this staff. Man, they, they go over the line. I know a couple of y'all have asked me, have I turned liberal? Because I don't have a tie on or a coat. My, my coat's over there and the tie's in the car. Uh, but uh, I, can't, I can't, if I put anything around my neck, I just cough, cough, cough. So uh, my wife has thrown me out of the bedroom. I've got another bedroom in the house. And uh, I'm serious, there's a heart attack. I'm telling you, it's going on several weeks. But anyway, uh, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. We just finished a series on overcoming life's obstacles, talking about worry and anxiety and fear. By faith, we're going to trust in the Lord. And start a new series this morning. Uh, it's an old song that was back in the 90s, I think, came out in the early 90s. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is He. I just want to talk about Jesus between now and Easter. Just in a series, just, man, I tell you, when you get to looking at how good Jesus is, Lord, have mercy. I, you know, we'd all turn Pentecostal here in a few minutes if we just got a glimpse of what, what Jesus is all about and what he's done. And in Matthew chapter 17 is where we'll be today. We're talking about the glory of God, the transfiguration. Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. Matthew 17, beginning in verse 1. When you have that, say amen. Amen. Oh, y'all lying, but go ahead. Stand with us in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Amen. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. And was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun. And his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking about him. And then answered Peter and said unto, him, unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be up in here. If it, thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he yet spake. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Father, we praise you this morning. You are holy. Blessed be your name. Glory be your name. Holy be your name. God, I pray this morning you'll speak to our hearts during this transfiguration time. We prepare ourselves and get ourselves ready for the great resurrection day. Lord, we're reminded that every day with Jesus is a resurrection day. You have resurrected. You're alive today and not dead. We praise you for that. I ask you, Lord, to manifest yourself in this place. Lord, we've seen you do great things, but we don't want to live on what we've seen you do. God, we want to see you do it again today. Lord, move in this place. Let your Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, Holy Ghost of God, come in amongst us and have your way in our lives. From young people to middle-aged people to old people to the very toddlers in this room, Lord, glorify yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
This is the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a great event. Now, there's not much attention given to the transfiguration. Uh, it's kind of, people kind of looked at it as mystical, something that we're not sure about. I mean, we talk about his birth, and we center everything around his birth. We call that Christmas, and we spend all month, and actually some of you are already buying Christmas for next Christmas. Uh, so you spend all year getting ready for that, and we call that Christmas, the birth of Jesus. And then we're about to celebrate Resurrection Day, which is Easter. And we build that up, and we have uh, big plans for that. But there's no special plan set for Transfiguration Day. And yet there are some lessons and some truths that need to be learned from here. Uh, Jesus is about to manifest his glory on top of this mountain. And he's going to give us a peek of what he has done and, and who he is. First, uh, 2 Peter 1.16 says, We've not followed cunning devised tables, uh, fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We were eyewitnesses. What, what he's saying is, hey, we were there. I'm telling you what we saw. You ain't never seen nothing like it. John said it like this. The word was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. Yeah, now, if you take these three things that we're going to look at this morning, and if you will absorb them, and if you will apply them to your life, I promise you, I promise you, based on the word of God, you will leave here changed. These three truths, it's in the transfiguration right here. The, the first one is he gives us a lesson about holiness. We've sang about holy and holiness several times this morning. All hail the power of Jesus' name. We, we talk about the holiness. We remember that holy and sanctification, sanctify, and saint all come from the same Greek word. That Greek word that means that we're set apart. It has a negative and it has a positive. We're set apart from sin, but we're set apart to serve God. <coughs> there are only two groups of people in this place today, the saints and the ain'ts. If you ain't a saint, then you're an ain't. But I'm just telling you, that's the bottom line. You're either sitting here and you're going to heaven today, or you're sitting here and you're lost without Christ, and if he were to come, you'll go to a place called hell today. I'm just telling you the truth. That's the way it is. You say, well, I don't want to hear it that way. Well, then get saved and you'll be able to go to heaven. You won't have to worry about going to hell. That's the glorious thing. Why would anybody not want to be saved with the Lord Jesus Christ? Holiness there. We're already seated positionally in the heavenlies, but he is sanctifying us. He is progressively causing us to be more like Jesus. If you're not more like Jesus today than you were a year ago, something's wrong with your spiritual growth. We're consistently becoming more like Jesus there in our character, in our conversation, in our conduct. We become more and more like Jesus. Now, verse 1 says, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them in, up into a high mountain. That six days is important there too, I believe. If you go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 24, you'll find that Moses was on top of Mount Sinai. After six days, the glory of the Lord fell. God gave him the blueprint of the tabernacle. The blueprint of the tabernacle is nothing more than a model of our salvation. 
<coughs> God gave it to him there on top of that mountain. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this same thing of the transfiguration. Luke tells us a little bit more about it. He said, as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance changed. They went up there to pray. That's what they were called. They were called aside to pray. You remember the disciples, when they were asked what he wanted to do for them, their first thing out of their mouth was, Lord, teach us to pray. We, we want to know how you pray. We want to get results like you get when you pray. Teach us to pray. Holiness is important to God. It's not up for discussion. It's not up for question and answer time. It's not up for, well, maybe we could do this. It, it, James says, you be holy because I'm holy. That's not James. That's 1 Peter. And 1 Peter says, you be holy because I'm holy. I'm still taking some pretty good cough syrup. So, <laughs> My wife told me I said several things last week that weren't true. So just fact check me, all right? Put me right on in there with the president and all of his bunch. <laughs> and if it's wrong, I'll circle back around and make it right. Amen. <laughs> Holiness is important to God. In fact, out of all the attributes that are mentioned about God, you know, if you mention something one time, that's big. If you mention it two, that's big. The only attribute that is mentioned about God three times is his word holiness. Holy. Found in Isaiah chapter 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holiness is important to God. And listen, we're following Jesus. We're being made more and more like Jesus. The central component of Jesus is prayer. He and the Father are one. How do you stay one? You, you speak to each other. You uh, submit to each other. Your holiness and then it's not just about the requests of prayer. I, I'm not asking you. I, in fact, I, I wish you'd just go to the Lord and not ask him for nothing. I'm talking about being in the presence of God. That's what prayer does. It brings us face to face with God. And being in his manifested presence is more than anything else. You will not come into the presence of God and leave the same way you came in. It's not going to happen. Our Lord shielded himself when he came to earth. He put on flesh. He put on bones. He, he, he was born in a stable. He was uh, in a manger, which is nothing more than a glorified feed trough. Uh, there were no dignitaries there. The big shots wasn't there. All that was there was the working class people, the shepherds. That's all they had there. He, he was raised in Nazareth, an out-of-the-way town. And, and then he, he, every time somebody said something about uh, Jesus is coming to town or Jesus did this, isn't that the carpenter's son? Isn't that Joseph's son? Well, he can't be anybody. We know him. He's nothing but a carpenter's boy. That's all he is. If you were to put Jesus in this church this morning, and we all crowded down here on this open floor, and said, you pick Jesus out, there's not a one of us in this building that could have picked him out. Not a one of us. You couldn't have picked him out. But here, in Matthew 17, he gives us just a peek of what, what gloriness is all about in, in heaven. The word transfigured, is the same word that we get our word metamorphosis from. It literally means that we're changed on the outside, 
But the change doesn't come from the outside. The change comes from the inside. See, when you're trying to start a new leaf and you're trying to serve the Lord and you're wanting to be better, you're trying to start on the outside to make things look good. You're going to fail. Change does not begin with God on the outside. Change begins with God on the inside. And then he'll change you, and then people will notice that and become uh, followers of God because they see the glory of God in your life, in your works. I love Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, the only reason we're believers is because of the mercy of God. Amen. We wouldn't even be in Romans 12, 1 if it wasn't for the mercy of God. We're brethren because of the mercy of God. It's not because we've earned it. The wages of sin is death. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. There's only two living sacrifices that are mentioned in the Bible. One of them is in the Old Testament. Uh, a man named uh, Isaac. God had told his father to take him up to the mountain and to offer him as a sacrifice. His father, I don't think he told his mother. I, I guarantee you I wouldn't have. I said, babe, we, we're going to do some business with God. It'll all work out. Don't worry about a thing. But he told Abraham to take him up and to offer him as a sacrifice. What a, glory, what a glorious scene. When old Isaac said, hey, Father, I, I see, you know, the wood and everything, but wh where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, God will provide the sacrifice. And can you see him as they start up that mountain? Maybe he's getting a little more cautious. But on the other end of that mountain, unbeknownst to any of them, God's got the sacrifice starting up the mountain. And they get up there and it all cultivates, culminates, even to the point of the father raising his hand with the knife ready to kill his son and offering. God says, stop. Here's the lamb. That's a living sacrifice. Now, let me tell you, that's a willing living sacrifice. Everybody, no one discounts the fact that at the very least, Isaac was at least 17 or 18 years old, probably more like 25 or 26. He could have whipped Abraham any moment he'd have wanted to. He just said, Daddy, if you think I'm going to get on that altar, you're wrong. Have you ever told your daddy that? You think I'm going to do that? You're wrong. He didn't say any of that. He laid down on that sacrifice willingly. That's the first living sacrifice mentioned in the Bible. The second living sacrifice mentioned in the Bible is the Lord Jesus Christ. He shed his blood so that you would not have to shed yours. He bridged the gap between the wrath of God and humanity. He, listen, he was already dead when he went to the cross. He had died to his emotions. He had died to his ambitions, his dreams, everything he was dead to because he wanted to do the Father's will. He hung on Calvary willingly. Nobody made him go up there. He, he's saying, I, no holding back. No, I'm not going to turn back. I'm going all the way to Calvary. I believe with all my heart 
if this is in my lifetime, now I'm talking about my lifetime, that this is the most strategic time for Christianity that I've ever experienced. This world has been shaken. The church has been shaken. Many of your families have lost loved ones and with illnesses and all with COVID-related, and we didn't even know what a pandemic was three years ago. We still don't know the outcome of a lot of it. Mm. I don't know why God's doing all this. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I could think that God has got enough wrapped up in the sins of America to wipe us out a hundred times over. I mean, we've aborted more than 51 million babies as a country. We could sit here and talk about that. But one thing's for sure that I really believe in my study of the Bible, I believe that God is right now testing Christians, testing his saints to see what kind of Christians we are. We've sang, I love you, Lord, and raised our hands. We've sang, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. We've sang, I surrender all. We sing victory in Jesus. We've made commitments up and down this altar here and all over these front pews here and everything. How we're going to serve God, how we're going to live for God, what we're not going to compromise, what we're not going to do. We're going to stand up. We're going all the way through. And people after people just falling out. compromising cowering I want to tell you I think it's time that some people of God stood up and said I'm not, I'm not going to fall away I'm not going to fall out I'm not sitting down I'm not backing up you say I thought we were doing the resurrect uh, the uh, transfigure Get, just be patient I'm getting there I'm getting there verse 2 of t Romans 12 be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed, be ye transformed. Transformed is the same word as transfiguration. What he's saying here is, someone's put it in, in English, that you don't let the world press you into its mold. And I want to tell you something. My, most of y'all have lived long enough to know this, but maybe you just need to be reminded. The devil does not knock on your door one day and say, I'm going to destroy your family. He'll do it without you even knowing it. He'll slip in the side door. I know they're a great thing. I know, there's, I know this world we're living in. I was talking with my son yesterday. He's got a daughter that's running track, and they can only do it on Wednesday night. I said, son, you, you know, you've got to make your choices whatever you can do I mean whatever you, but the bottom line is don't let this world press you into their mold I, I'm not telling you you're going to go to hell for playing on Wednesday night I'm not saying that at all I'm just saying if you're not careful you're going to let the world press you into that mold and then there's another mold on the weekend and then there's another mold on Sunday and then there's another mold, and if you're not careful, the world's going to end up having you in their mold. And I'm telling you, as a man of God and as a family leader in your family, you need to say, hey, 
we, we, we're going to give and take some. We're going to do some things. But we're not going to become like this world. We're not going to bring this world into this church. We're not going to bring this world into our home. We're going to stand for Jesus. The, the dreams we've got, the, the, the ambitions we've got, all of those have got to die. You've got to put them away. It's got to be, it's for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's for the glory of God. Our pleasures, our will. You see, if you will do that, God will transform you on the inside. And then it will convert over to the outside. You can be a, savior, uh, a, a saved person and not be a prune. I mean, you know, that, I'm not talking about that at all this morning. I'm just saying, in my life, I've seen family after family after family. And it don't always deal with sports. Sometimes it deals with an RV. Sometimes it deals with a boat. Sometimes it deals buying a camp. Well, preacher, we're just going up on the weekend. We'll we, we be back Saturday. We're going to be back Saturday. They tried to get me to buy a camp 40 years ago. Took Becky and I up there to Sam Rayburn. Yeah, everybody got to buy a camp on Sam Rayburn. Okay. Time we got there Friday night, we mowed until dark, and then got up that morning and mowed again. I thought, bless God, I didn't buy a camp. I ain't buying no camp to come up here and mow. I got my own yard to mow. I better go on. I'm going to get in trouble here in just a minute. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3, 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. <laughs> now, every time you talk about a, a, a glass or mirror, and we're talking about the Word of God. What he's saying here is, we, we're, who is the glory of the Lord? Well, it's Jesus. There's nobody else can do that. He's the only glory of the Lord. So we're being transformed, how? By number one, looking at the Word. Not dealing with our emotion, but looking at the Word. We look at the Word, and then we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then we gaze at Jesus. We look at him, the author and the finisher of our salvation. And we become holy and surrender to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit takes us and makes us like Jesus. He's using the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and he makes us look like the Son of God. That's transfiguration. Mm. There's something else, though, that's here. Let me hurry. Uh, he gives us a lesson about heaven. About heaven. You say, well, I didn't get that. Well, hang with me. Let me tell you something. When the truth of heaven, when you ever grip the truth of heaven, it's going to set you free. First thing it's going to do, it's going to take the fear and the threat of death away from you. When you get a little glimpse of what heaven's like, you ain't going to fear death. You just get a little glimpse of heaven. Good Lord, we'd be clawing our hands to get to heaven right now. I mean, it's going to be something. But the second thing it's going to do, when you get a glimpse of heaven, it's going to comfort you because you've had friends and relatives who've already gone over yonder. And when you begin to understand you're living here on this earth and they're over there enjoying life over there, 
say, whoa, who ought to be mourning for who? Now, I know we miss people and all of that, but, but I want to tell you something. For the child of God to be absent in his body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. We're being transformed. We're, we're, some people teach that when you die, you go to the grave and you lay there until you rot. That's it. Some denominations teach that when you die, you go to a holding tank somewhere. They, sometimes they call it purgatory. Sometimes they call it something else. Well, when you look at the things here on this mountain, now I don't know everything about heaven, but the number one question I get is, is always, do, will people know me in heaven? And will I know them? Will they know me? Will I know them? Well, Moses, they get there and whew, they say, well, there's Moses and Elijah. It's been 1,480 years since God personally, with his own hands, buried Moses. It's been 900 years since Elijah went up in a fiery chariot. You think if they'd have been in the grave that long, or if they'd been in a holding tank that long, somebody could have recognized them? Huh? I mean, they didn't have no problem. They didn't say, well, who are them two old men? No, they said, there's Moses and there's Elijah. And they're talking to Jesus. So you're going to know folks. You're going to keep your own name. You're going to know folks when you get to heaven. They, they recognize one another. And uh, uh, you're going to be reunited with, lost, uh, uh, with loved ones that have gone on before that we've already lost from this earth here. The task in heaven is to fulfill the glory of God. And that is a place of worship. It's a place of worship. Christians only die once. One death, physical death, and the soul immediately goes to heaven. You say, now, I don't know. Well, that's what happened to Lazarus. God sent an angel band down to pick him up. That, that's what happened there. When Jesus was on the cross and he told that thief, he didn't say, well, in the second coming or, I don't know, it may be 30 years or 40 years or whatever. No, he said today, today. You'll be with me in paradise. That's what heaven's all about. You say, well, I'm, I'm afraid for my loved one. Don't be afraid for your loved one. They're a whole lot better off than you are. Heaven is called a paradise to some. It's called a, a home. It's called a country. It's called a city. It's called the Father's house. When we stop breathing here, our next breath is over there. There'll be no void immediately. To be absent in his body, to be present with the Lord. Not gonna need no light bulbs up there. You know I love light. That's the first thing I told this church 20 years ago. If you call me as pastor, you gotta put new lights. That we was in the old auditorium. I couldn't even read my Bible. Place looked like a funeral home. I love lights. I'll, I'll compromise with the music and let them dim them a little bit. But when I get up to preach, I want every light on in this building. Because the Lord is light. Amen. Well, when, uh, there you go. I asked for that, didn't I? Turn that thing back down. I just want them on. I don't want them full power. 
You know when we get to heaven, we're not going to have to flip a light switch because Jesus is going to light up the whole place. It's going to all be lit by him. Have mercy. We're going to see him. The glory of the Lord is going to light it up, and we're going to see him, and we're going to be with him. But there are people in this congregation sitting right here this morning, you don't have the assurance that you're going there. If you're not, you're going to go to a place called hell. You're going to go to a place called the lake of fire. And it's all because of sin. And there's not a reason in the world for you to have to go there and answer for it because Jesus has already died on Calvary for your sin. And if you'll come to him and submit yourself to him and, and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, he'll save you today. You don't have to go to hell. Hell never was invented for people. You can go to heaven. Luke 9, 31 says, Who appeared in glory and spake of his disease which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. That's what Moses and Elijah and Jesus were talking about up on the mountain. Lord, you're fixing to have to go through the crucifixion. You're going to face that. And they're talking about that. Now, the Old Testament saints were living on credit. Thank God, sometimes we got to live on credit. I, as a kid raised up, I thank God for Sears and Roebuck. We wouldn't have had anything if it hadn't been for them or Montgomery Ward. They were living on credit. They were looking forward to Christ's coming because they're already dead. The wages of sin is death. He died on the cross as our substitute. You don't have to die this morning. He's already died for you. And, and Moses, maybe some say, I, I think it's a pretty good analogy, that he represents the law. The law never could save you. The law could only show you as a mirror how bad you are. And then Elijah represents the prophets who were always saying, someone's coming, someone's coming, someone's coming. That's Jesus they're talking about there. You want to go to heaven? Only way to go to heaven is by the way of the cross. No other way but this. Let me hurry. He, he talks about holiness and he talks about heaven. He get, talks about one other thing. Humility. Humility. Many years ago, humility is very important to God. When God sees humility, he kind of highlights it. Many years ago, I guess probably within the first two or three months, I pastored in Port Natchez. We had a guy there, and uh, Becky knows him well. He's, he's still alive and going there. He was praying at the altar call at the uh, offering. And he said, Lord, uh, give us more humidity. <laughs> well, we were on the Gulf Coast. There's 100% humidity out there all the time. I said, Brother, I, I think you meant humility. Oh, okay. God, give us more humidity. I said, okay. God knows your heart. Amen. He's talking about humility here. Moses, the guy who stood before Pharaoh 10 different times and said, let my people go. The guy who led a bunch of squabbling, murmuring Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage, over into the promised land, across the Red Sea. 
God says that he's the most meekest man on the face of the earth. He was humble and meek. See, we have this idea that if you're going to be meek, that means you're weak. Being meek does not mean you're weak. Being meek means that your strength is covered by the Holy Spirit of God. Your spirit controlled. It doesn't mean you're weak. Let me tell you, a lot of times it looks like we are weak, uh, weak because we don't want to fight somebody. It ain't always God's will to fight somebody. Jesus didn't fight anybody when he went to the cross. He put the ear back on the guy. Meekness is not weakness. The, the Bible says that they that exalt themselves, he said, I'll humble them. The Bible says the first shall be last, and then it says the last shall be first. The Bible says it's the meek that it shall inherit the earth. Somebody has coined the phrase that humility is not thinking too much of yourself. And I used to think that was pretty good. Now I've discovered really humility is thinking not of yourself at all. Thinking nothing of yourself. Always somewhere else. Peter said, the disciples still got some things to learn here. I'm doing quick. Verse 4, Peter said, Lord, it's so good. Let's just build three shacks up here and you take one and Elijah take one and, and uh, Moses take one. This is good. Let's don't worry about the people down on the earth. Let's don't worry about them. The only problem is when God gives you a highlight on a mountain, it's not so you can stay on the mountain and be pumped up. It's so that you can be pumped up and go back down the mountain and deal with society and deal with reality and make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ. Down at the foot of that mountain, while they're up there having a glory time, is a young boy that's demon-possessed, a daddy that's frustrated and, and just out of kilts with his son, and then there's a whole group of backslidden disciples down there. Don't have enough power to blow the fuzz off a peach. They've been down there and said, Lord, we've been trying to, to, to get this demon. He won't, he won't come out for us. The Lord, of course, cast him out. And you remember what he said? He said, some of these things come with much prayer and fasting. Mm. We don't like to talk about fasting a whole lot. I, I know I stay in shape. I, I have a, uh, what do we have, babe? I have a treadmill sitting in my living room. The kids, the grandkids were all in. They were trying, they loved to play on it. Nobody couldn't find the cord to it. I don't know if my wife put it away somewhere secretly and doesn't remember, or if I did and don't remember it. But I want to tell you something. The real truth is you, you have all the facelifts you want to. You go to all the gyms. I'm not knocking it. I think you should. I think you really should, and I'm trying. I can't have any more desserts. I told you last week, don't bring no more desserts, no more cakes, no more pies, no more chocolate candy. I can't have any of that anymore. The doctor said no, period. So don't do that anymore. Don't do it in public anymore. <laughs> Roger, will you cover me for the black market? Okay. 
No, seriously, I'm making a serious attempt at that. But I want to tell you, the bottom line is when your day is up, your day is up. You're going to leave here. You say, well, I've spent all this time and all of this effort. Wonderful. That's nothing wrong with that. You leave here with a good body. Nothing wrong with that at all. I don't think it'll make a lot of difference on your face up there, what you're doing with all the lifts and all, but, you know, throw your money away if you want to. I'd put it in the building fund if it was me. <laughs> what, what you see is what you get. We got to get on here. I've got to get through. <laughs> now, now, here's the thing. We're talking about humility. God wants humility. Let me tell you about a person that is not humble. He'll just keep talking. He'll talk, 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 talk. That's what Peter's doing. Lord, this place. Now, first of all, there's no equal to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't put him in a shack the same way with, Mo with Moses and with Elijah. So that's number one. Number two, he doesn't know when to quit talking. He's still keeping on talking. See, a, a man who's not humble before the Lord would just keep talking, just keep talking. You look at verse 5. While he yet spake, behold, a cloud. I, I think the Lord probably said, I guess if I don't do something to shut him down, he's going to talk to dinner. <laughs> so here comes this cloud. Behold, my uh, son in whom, in whom I'm well pleased. And then he says this, hear ye him. <laughs> don't listen to folks who are talking all the time hear the Lord put your eyes on Jesus Christ get into the word of God mirror itself from the word of God get your eyes off yourself get your eyes on Jesus and Peter is saying I'm an eyewitness of this Peter's saying the first time he came he came as a sacrificial lamb he came and was betrayed. He hung on a cross between two thieves. He was whipped. He was mocked. He had a crown of thorns. The spit rolled off his face that people spat upon him with. Ah, but this next time he comes. He's not coming as a sacrificial lamb. Mm-mm. He's coming as a sovereign God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, not as a lamb, but as a lion. And he's wearing a royal robe, and he's holding a royal scepter, and people are bowing on their knees, and they're confessing that Jesus Christ is God to the glory of God the Father. So where does that bring us today? Drop all of the labels and everything I don't care who you are or what you've done none of that makes any difference I'm just saying when you drop all of these labels are you sure that you're going to heaven this morning because if you're not I want to tell you this service has been prayed over there are people praying for you right now that you'll be saved right now they don't even know your name doesn't matter what your name is what matters is that God loves you. He loves you just where you are. And maybe today God's saying, hey, I want you to be saved today. 
Maybe some of you here need to follow believer's baptism. Maybe you've been saved, but you've never been baptized. Didn't think that was important. It is important. Maybe there's some of you here that need to come and just surrender your life to the Lord. Maybe you need to take one of these pastors by the hand and share with them. Or maybe you just need to kneel at the altar and say, Lord, I know I've got all of you. My problem is you don't have all of me. And I need you to help me. Maybe this morning God's saying, hey, I want you to make this your church home. Maybe God said it. If God said it and the Holy Spirit's confirmed it, then do what God said do. If this is not where God wants you, then we'll find where God wants you. My soul, life is too short for you to hang in the balance. Lives are too important. People are too dear. Heaven and hell are coming sooner than we think. You say, well, when? I don't know when, but I guarantee you on the day it happens, there's going to be a church full of people saying, I didn't know it was going to be today. I, I thought I had a little more time. You don't have any time. Bow your head with me, please. Brother Casey's going to be down here, and Brother Roger's going to be down here, and Brother Jason's going to be down here today, and if you want me to cough on you, I'll come down and meet you too. But, but these three men are going to be here at the front. Maybe today, if God's spoken to your heart, you'd slip down and take one of them by the hand. Say, the Lord told me I need to do this. This is what I need to do. And I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting what I want to do, and I'm going to do what God wants to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know every one of us in this building today. Would you have your way? in this congregation. Lord, there are folk who are living right on the edge of spending eternity separated from you. God, don't let it happen here on our watch. Lord, show yourself in manifestation this morning. Touch them with your Holy Spirit and move them down this aisle to be saved right now. Would you stand with us as we sing? Come on right now. <laughs> to come on right now don't wait on anybody else step out and come on altars are open for you to come and pray Christian will you lead the way will you lead the way to follow Jesus no turning back no <laughs> the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross continue to sing as these continue to come. Will you join them?
sing another verse. God's speaking. Come on. Brother Jason's free. Brother Roger's free. bow your head just as they play through just bow your head we'll take just a moment pray again and then we'll sing one more verse and if no one else comes we'll close the invitation that'll be it are you sure that you're ready right now if you're not man today is the day of salvation today is a day you need to get ready right now father in the name of Jesus I lift up this whole congregation. May we be obedient to what you've asked us to do. We'll claim victory today because of you, not because of us, but because of you in Jesus' name. We'll sing one more verse. If you're going to come, step out and come. The world behind me, the cross. seated just for a moment please let me make sure we've got uh, all announcements covered and on ground don't forget if you're a first-time visitor uh, go to the connection center right outside the main door here and they've got a special gift for you that'll be a blessing 